This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Happy New Year. I hope you all had a great holiday and... I don't know about you, but I am excited to get into the swing of the things of a new year. Something about a fresh blank slate. I don't know. It's like the beginning of the week, the beginning of the month, the beginning of the year. It, it gives me something fresh to look forward to. So I'm having all those new year feelings right now. Today's episode is episode 65. And my guest is Matt DeVirgilius. He is the father of two, and his daughters are six and eight now, but they were born very prematurely, and so he has a memoir out that kind of walks through his journey of being a dad of two preemie babies and walking through some pretty scary and life-threatening situations with his wife, Brittany. He shares openly and honestly in this book about what it was like during those few years of his life. And I think that anybody who's walked through a similar experience will feel connected to Matt. And even just as a parent with new babies, you'll feel connected to Matt. Friends, today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Beam. And Beam has the best hydration line out there. I myself am a runner and I love to get a good workout and sweat and their hydration line In the 20 plus years that I've been running and working out, I have not found a better hydration line. They have an Elevate variety pack, which has a probiotic blend, a pre-workout blend, and a recovery blend. I love them all. My favorite is the recovery blend. It has this fresh lemon taste. And if you get sweaty for a workout, this is a great way to replenish your electrolytes and also just hydrate your body and feel good. It's filled with non-GMO collagen peptides and BCAA for supportive joint and muscle health. They also have a Dream Blend, which is a delicious, healthy take on hot chocolate that has nano CBD in it. It has melatonin, magnesium, all the sleep-enhancing vitamins that our body craves. And you can try all of this out for 15% off when you go to beamorganics.com and use the code LINDSAY15. That's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-1-5 for 15% off your order. All right, friends, if you enjoy this podcast, please consider leaving us a quick rating and review. That is such a great way potential new listeners can find us. And, you know, if this has been helpful for you at all, this podcast, or it's given you company, I hope that it can do the same for somebody else as well. And through those reviews, that's how people find it. Mama Lockwood says, absolutely love this podcast. Large variety of topics covered, easy listening, and I truly look forward to seeing what new episode is coming up each week. I have young kids, three and a half and eight months, and I find that the topics fit my life now and also provide great info for future years to come. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Matt. Well, today on Why Is Everyone Yelling, we have Matt DeVirgilius on the show. Welcome to the show, Matt. Oh, thank you very much. 
Um, okay, so Matt, how old are your girls now? You have two girls. Yes, I have uh, Liliana is eight and Lainey Kate is six. She just turned six in November. So does she go by Lainey Kate or just Lainey? It's funny. We call her Lainey Kate quite a bit. Okay. Yeah. It's not all the time, uh, but we use her middle name a lot. Well, we just moved to North Carolina, and so the Southern, like, double name thing is very common down here, and so that's why I asked. I did not know that. Yeah, it's a very common, the double name thing is very common down here. So, um, well, you know, it's what is interesting is that, um, so I've been friends with your sister-in-law, Ashley, for years, and I remember when Liliana was born. Oh, okay. I didn't realize the friendship went back that far. Yeah. Like I remember her posting about her niece and I knew that her niece was a preemie and that, you know, I kind of like followed along with that. So, I mean, even now when I see Ashley share things in her Instagram stories and things like that, I'm like, I'm like, I've literally kind of seen who this little girl is from (laughs) just her stories from when she was really a tiny, tiny baby. She was a very tiny baby. Yeah. Yeah. So tell everybody, um, how much did your girls weigh when they were born? So Liliana weighed uh, three pounds, six ounces. And then in the first week, she dropped to two pounds, uh, about two pounds, 12 ounces. Um, Just because most babies, a lot of babies drop weight in the first week. Um, But yeah, so she was she was just over three pounds, and then Lainey Kate was about four pounds. So when she was born, we, we thought she was huge um, <laughs> because she broke the she broke the four pound mark. She dropped weight too, um, but she was not as teeny tiny as Liliana was. Isn't that wild to think a four pound yeah. baby is is big? Yeah. It was it was surprising when the when the nurses and doctors weighed her in the OR. Um, and they said, Lainey's four pounds and I think she was four pounds and like three ounces. We're like, oh my God, she's enormous. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, even like two pounds when they're that little, our, our oldest was six, four, and then our babies got progressively bigger. And my biggest was like, I think he was like, I should know this, but once you have four kids, sometimes you forget these things. Yeah. I think he was like eight, 10. He was big though. That's big. Yeah. And I mean, to me, he came out feeling like a three month old compared to my six, four baby. I mean, you would have thought he was like just a giant, but, um, well tell us a little bit. So you have written this book. I've read the whole thing. Damn the ponytail life as a dad with two preemie babies. So tell us really why you wrote the book. Um, so I was kind of knocking around a couple different book ideas. Um, I've been writing really my entire career. Um, so writing is just something that I do. Um, and I was playing around with the idea of full books versus normally I write short, short stories. Mm. Um, and I had a couple ideas and there was just something about putting this experience down on paper. Um, and I already had, I, I have a tendency to journal, um, not every day. I'm not that dedicated to it, but when I write, I a lot of times will sit down and I'll write a letter first. So before I get into whatever it is that I'm working on, I'll write a letter. So on one side of my notebook, and I still use notebooks, mm. uh, one side of the page will be a letter. And a lot of times it's to my wife, Brittany, um, or in some cases I'll write to my daughters. 
And then I get into the writing, whatever the topic was. Um, and so I just decided I had um, a lot of letters that I had written to my girls while they were either before they were born or while they were in the NICU. And I started going back into my old notebooks. Uh, and I decided that this was something that I wanted to, to work on and do. So you oftentimes sit down to write and it turns out it starts with a letter to your wife or your girls. Yes. So I'll just kind of capture whatever's going on at the time and then I'll kind of use it to, to work through what I'm working on. Right. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so I have notebooks full of letters uh, to my family <laughs> all over. I try to keep them, uh, but they're, they're all over the place. I box them up and I'll like store them in the attic. Um, the problem is that my handwriting is not very great. So I figure it'll be tough for them to read through um, at some point in their lives. You know, but we'll be able to open notebooks and kind of see what was going on in my head. So is the plan to deliver them off to college with these notebooks? Or like when I die, you read these notebooks? <laughs> I, probably when I die. I've never really thought about it either. Yeah. Um, but there's some, yeah, there's some good ones. Um, there are definitely some interesting like letters and sections of notebooks where we were either on vacation as a family or I was away. I used to travel a lot uh -huh. for work pre pre COVID. Yeah. Um, so I have a whole, I have a whole notebook where I was in India for a little over two weeks and I was writing to them every day. I was actually working on this book too, uh, while I was out there. So I've, there's sections of it, of my experience in India uh, where I'm capturing that. And then I'm also capturing how I'm, I'm actually editing or working through the book as I'm writing it. Yeah. I imagine like being away that far for that long writing to your family probably makes it feel a little bit less lonely. Yeah, it does. Um, it helps. It helps a lot. And I, I traveled, like I said, I used to travel every, every week, Monday through Thursday. I pretty much did that for the entirety of my my girls' lives until COVID hit. Um, and that's when everything kind of changed. Do you do the same work now or have you switched jobs? Nope. Same work. Okay. Same company too. Is travel yeah. going to start picking up, you think? Uh, it's hard to, hard to see it picking up the way it used to be. Yeah. yeah. I think we'll travel for certain things and be home a lot of it. Yeah. I mean, I think that one of the, uh, I hate to say blessings of COVID, but like of this pandemic has been, maybe we've realized like we can be home more and maybe that's a good thing. Yes, ab absolutely. Um, yeah, there, there are silver linings. I mean, one of the, I, for me has been being able to just be at breakfast in the morning yes. during the week with my girls, um, drive them to school or drive with, you know, as a family to school, pick them up on occasion. Um, so there were, those were things that I never really got to do um, when I traveled all the time. So it's those little moments that have been nice to get. Now, does Brittany work your wife or does she stay home? She stays home, but she tutors too. So she tutor either two or three days a week, kind of depending on the, the student's need. Um, so she's usually does that anywhere from an hour to three hours each session. I bet she's loving you being home. Or is it like, I don't know, with my, with my husband, I'm like, with my husband, I'm like, you're talking on the phone way too much. You need to like go outside and take all these calls. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
it was an adjustment. We're, we're definitely used to it at this point. <laughs> but going from not being home at all uh, to being home every day has definitely been an adjustment. Yeah, for uh, sure. Especially for the kids, for the girls, uh, because they were used to me just being home. Friday morning, they'd wake up and I'd be home. And and Bernie used to, let's say, like, I was the fun dad uh-huh. for a couple of days. And I didn't want to be like disciplining them. I just uh-huh. wanted to be, have fun with me. Um, and now the beginning of, of the pandemic, they would kind of get upset if I kind of reprimand them or uh-huh. you know, tell them not to do something. They'd look at me like, wait, what happened to you? <laughs> we thought you were the fun guy. So. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the biggest thing for me when, cause my husband didn't travel like you, but he was always gone every day at work, you know, or pretty mm-hmm. early in the morning is just that, like you said, driving your girls to school. It's like helping me put people's shoes on. You know, taking half of them to school while I do the other half, that kind of thing. It's like total game changer, like so much yeah. better quality of life just for that small little reason. That's the little the little things. Although Bernie, I mean, Bernie was very good about having a system. Yeah. So yeah. when I was traveling, when I would come home Friday, like I would break the system. Don't break the had. system. <laughs> right. So, yeah, there's there's been some definite benefits to being home. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, okay, so let's let's hear about the girls. And I know that it's a long story. There's two of them, and they both had pretty um, pretty dramatic entrances to the world. I guess that's a way to put it. Um, and for Brittany as well. So can you maybe share a little bit about the experience? Uh, maybe we'll just start with your first daughter, Liliana. Yeah. So Liliana, she's eight now. Um, both both girls are are you know, pretty perfectly healthy. Um, no different than any other girls, um, considering they were they're both premature, but with Liliana, um, Brittany's water broke at 28 weeks. Um, and at, at first we didn't know her water broke. Um, so she had called the doctor. It was a weekend. Um, and the answering service didn't get back to actually never contacted the doctor. And we didn't hear anything back until Monday, um, of the next week. And I had actually, I was traveling. So I was in the air when Brittany got a call back from the doctor saying, you have to go to the hospital um, because we think your water broke and you're leaking amniotic fluid. I landed in Minneapolis, which is where I was traveling at the time. Um, I landed and as I always do, I kind of checked on her, um, called her, let her know I landed. And she's like, you have to come home. Mm -hmm. So with that, um, they, I'm trying to think, I don't think they really knew why she started to deliver early, but the whole goal of the next couple of weeks was get her into the hospital. This is Brittany, keep her on bed rest as much as possible, um, and try to keep Liliana from actually being born. Um, so she was on, I forget the names of the medica- uh, medicines to keep labor from happening, but Brittany was on those. Um, so we spent, she spent about two weeks like that. And, um, it was, I guess, two weeks later, I had started traveling again because Brittany was, she said, I might as well travel while she's okay in the hospital. Um, and so it was a Wednesday night and I was talking to Brittany. She was in the hospital. I was out in a hotel in Minneapolis and she said, I think you should come home early tomorrow. And I said, okay. 
Um, so I did, I hopped on a plane early and here, um, Brittany just had this feeling that she was going to deliver. She had a fever doctors figured she was starting to get an infection, which is common for early delivery like that, or early water breaking like that. Um, so I got to the hospital around two o'clock ish, uh, maybe even later. And Lily was born at four o'clock, four fifteen. So just in the nick of time. Yeah, I showed up at the hospital. Brittany was not doing great. Uh, she was having contractions. Uh, she had a fever, and the doctors took her into the OR as fast as possible. Um, and so that was thirty weeks. Lily automated wow. to thirty weeks. Thirty yeah. weeks. Yeah. So, and that's why she was you know, three pounds and change. <laughs> yeah. So. Tell us a little bit about that experience as a first-time NICU parent. Um, so it was interesting in that because Brittany's water broke early and she was on bed rest in the maternity ward, the NICU doctors and nurses actually came down, introduced themselves. Everyone knew that she was going to deliver early. It was just mm-hmm. a matter of when. Um, it was really no guarantee of anything it was just like she will deliver early it could be 32 weeks it could be 34 weeks it could be 30 they didn't know so Mm -hmm. they came they introduced themselves they actually took us to the different NICUs so there are different level NICUs at this hospital um they introduced us all the whole machinery that they knew Liliana would be hooked up to um and the NICU itself because of that introduction was less scary um Mm -hmm. what was scary was the fact that Brittany was not doing great when she went into the or um and so like the me personally the most traumatic part of the experience was sitting outside the or room waiting for them you know they had already taken Brittany into the or into the operating room um and they were working on it. It was a huge team of doctors and nurses and NICU nurses. And, um, but they, the door was closed. So it was like this couple of minutes where I was just in this long hallway by myself and just kind of left to my own thoughts of, oh, my God, what is going to happen here? Mm. Um, so that, that for me was the most traumatic part of it. Yeah. And then Lily, Liliana was born. Um, uh, but we got that introduction to the NICU and to the nurses. And because Brittany had surgery, she was able to stay in the hospital a few more days than if she had done natural birth. Hey, everybody. A quick break here to thank Gooder for supporting this episode of the podcast. If you are in the market for some new sunglasses, check out Gooder. They have functional, fashionable, and affordable sunglasses. They've got really fun, bright exciting colors and styles but they also have really classic styles and colors the amelia Earhart ghosted me aviator shades are my absolute favorites i also love their breakfast run to tiffany shades but they have really fun colors like bright blue and orange and yellow as well and really cool designs if you're feeling like you need something to lighten the mood and freshen up your style check out gooder go to gooder.com slash another and use the code ANOTHER15, and that'll save you 15% off your order. Okay, friends, back to the show. 
So the surgery was like emergency surgery, and that's why you couldn't be in the room? Um, they let me in once she was prepped and ready. Okay. So okay. when Lilian was born, yeah, they, they let me in. I didn't actually get to like watch her be born yeah. um, with Liliana. Yeah. Um, Lainey, complete opposite. I, she was a C-section as well with, with uh, Lainey, but um, I came back from the NICU after the doctors with Lainey said she's okay. Uh, we're taking care of her. It'll be a good 40 minutes before you can come up and see her. Um, so I went back to the OR and the doctors were still finishing up Brittany's surgery. So with Brittany's, uh, second delivery and with Lainey, Brittany had uh, a Creta, placenta accreta. And the general recommendation for that is to do a hysterectomy. Mm. So Brittany delivered Lainey, um, still C-section. So they, they delivered Laney and then they did the hysterectomy and I walked in and because I didn't pass out when I was watching the delivery <laughs> of Laney the doctors let me the doctors let me finish watching the whole I actually watched the whole procedure the standing too. like on the yeah yeah wow um, yeah as a matter of fact the doctors thought I was a doctor they thought I was an anesthesiologist <laughs> and they were asking me what her levels were and I was like I have I don't know what you I don't know I was like looking behind me and the anesthesiologist, she was laughing. She's like, these are the numbers that, that uh, Brittany has right now, and they're okay. Um, and the doctor's like, oh, my God, I thought you, I thought you were one of us. I was like, no. One, one calm dad right there. Yeah, so. Um, there's so many layers to that. But first of all, what can you explain briefly what the placenta accreta, what actually is that? Yeah, so all things that I didn't know uh, before <laughs> yeah. it all happened. Um, so placenta accreta is when the placenta actually starts to attach to the uterine mm-hmm. wall. Mm-hmm. So apparently it doesn't actually attach to the wall. Um, and then there are different stages of accreta. So once, because Liliana was premature, once Brittany was pregnant uh, with Lainey, she was immediately considered high risk. Mm-hmm. So we were doing the, um, or you know, Brittany was going a couple times a week to get the 3D ultrasounds. Mm-hmm. And then I guess it was like week 24 or so, um, the ultrasound tech and doctors noticed Accreta. Um, and what it is, is it vascularly, the placenta will vascularly attach to the uterine wall. Mm-hmm. Um, it can either attach directly to the wall. It can go through the wall and wrap itself around the, the full uterus, or it could actually start to attach itself to other organs. Um, each phase of that is, is that much more risky to, to deliver or go through childbirth. Um, and at that point, the, the doctors kind of explained it that, if they didn't know and they just pulled the placenta, it's essentially like opening a drain in a bathtub. Um, so it's still the number one reason, at least the, at the time, it was still the number one reason that women die during childbirth was because it's because of a creta. Um, so they, I guess a lot of women hemorrhage yeah. um, when they have it. Yeah, so I mean, for that birth, it was crazy. There, there were probably 40 doctors in the room wow. uh, when she was having her surgery. 
Or at least it felt that way. The answer there was, we have to do a hysterectomy. Is that, I mean, pretty much you, that was your choice? Um, it was highly recommended. Yeah. Because if you don't, you're taking the risk of bleeding out. Yeah. Not worth it. Um, the, that risk is there anyway, um, even with the hysterectomy. But the doing the hysterectomy with the type of accreta that Bernie had, it was the easiest most uh least risky thing to do so that she could you know survive and live and see her kids i mean it's just like when i say there's so many layers there's the layer of like okay now we know we're not going to be able to have more biological children yep right then like we know that this is this is the turning point in our family um but also just the fact that like thank god we live in a country where you have access to the health care that like they could do those ultrasounds and <laughs> yes. see that that was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was as soon as they knew it, it was plan for plan for the worst so that you're ready for it. Yeah. Um, and when, so Brittany did hemorrhage, she hemorrhaged um, week 30, 32, 34. Um, we were home and she hemorrhaged. So her mom came and stayed with Liliana. Um, and then we went to the hospital. And so it was always kind of like have the team on call and just wait for um, wait for it to, to happen. There was a date that they were looking at to say, all right, if she doesn't go by this date, we are just going to deliver. But I think that was week. I think it was week 36. And we didn't, we didn't get there. They yeah. wanted, because they wanted her to get as far developed as possible. Yep, exactly. And so what what week, what, did you say she was actually delivered? I think she was delivered week 34. Okay, so you had two weeks yeah. after the hemorrhage? Or when she started mm-hmm. hemorrhaging, that's when you delivered? No, that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it, okay. I'm, just, I'm mixing up, yeah. yeah. When she hemorrhaged, it was, it was game on. It was, and luckily all the doctors that they had hoped to have uh, in the week the planned delivery were all the doctors who were on call mm-hmm. the night she actually hemorrhaged. So we got the team that they were, they wanted to have, <laughs> which was nice. Yeah. Um, you know, I think about this cause Ashley always, you know, fundraises for every mother counts and it's like, well, here's the reason why I'm sure it all ties back to this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right though. The, there are so many different layers to it. There is the just, how to raise NICU babies and how different it is. Um, just, we laugh when the girls do have like colds or things uh-huh. like that. We laugh because the the syringes or the, the bottle caps that have the measurements in milliliters for medicine are larger than the first amount of milk that they were drinking mm. when they were born, right? like 10 milliliters i think of tylenol you know kids tylenol and and we were hoping that when lil first took milk through a tube it was like a milliliter (laughs) that was a tiny little bit it's that's so wild um well let's talk about like what that was like for you and Brittany to like come face to face with like how scary the situation really was like that you know she could die from this and You would have your two girls and then, but also like facing the reality, the most likely reality that would be, okay, we're like, we have to decide now that this is our last 
baby that we're gonna have yeah um yeah it's it's still tough yeah um, it's it's different when you don't have the choice yeah um and then what was also difficult is leading up to now we can't have biological kids that way uh but like leading up to laney's delivery because it was so high risk we were constantly being asked if bernie is to hemorrhage what is the priority so there was this like pre decision being made of life or death Mm -hmm. um and then once it was okay bernie's okay laney's okay but just having to deal with the fact that we have our two girls and they're fantastic uh but the, the what i would say bothers Brittany the most is that the decision to have more kids um this way mm-hmm. was taken from her yeah and just totally out of your control i mean i think that i think that closing that door even when you don't have circumstances, when you don't have a choice is emotional for a lot of women. So the Mm -hmm. fact that you're not even like given the opportunity to make that choice had to be so much more difficult. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And one that probably will, will always be there. Uh, It'll always plague us to some, to some extent, even when we're older. Um, Because it was, again, it was taken. It wasn't our decision. Yeah. Um, so yeah, talk to us a little bit about that NICU life. I mean, I think that one of the things, one of the hardest things has to be like leaving the hospital without bringing your <laughs> yeah. baby home. And like, thank, thankfully you had a baby in the hospital that you would eventually bring home. But like, I can't imagine going home empty handed, even from the start. Yeah, it, it was one of the hardest parts and one that when we were first there, I didn't personally think about um, it was con- it was always like the first week Brittany was still in the hospital I was going back and forth this is with Liliana so I would go back and because we have dogs so like I would go back and forth um, from the house to the hospital and it wasn't until we were like the day before and it was Brittany was getting ready to leave and I was like oh this is going to be really weird. This is going to be very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the nurses and doctors uh, at the NICU did a phenomenal job preparing us um, and telling us how hard it was going to be um, and letting us know that when we are home, like we can, we could call whenever we wanted. Uh, it was always a, if you want to check on her, just give us a call, <laughs> just give us a call. And if, we're not taking care of her, taking care of another baby. Like we will answer the phone. We will give you an update. Um, and probably also one of the parts that I, I messed up the most as far as, uh, not being not a bad husband, but being like, just putting my foot in my mouth. (laughs) And Mm. I think I have that in the book, but it's, um, with Liliana and we came home and, Brittany got situated and she was still sore from the C-section, but it was um, later at night when we were sitting in the house and I like came out of the Liliana's room, which was empty. Mm-hmm. And um, all I kept telling myself the whole day was like, don't say anything dumb, like internally, right? Just being like, don't say anything stupid. Don't say anything dumb. And I came out of Liliana's room and I went into the kitchen to make coffee. And I was like, 
boy, the house is really quiet. <laughs> and and as I was saying it, I was like, oh my god, I can't believe this is coming out of my mouth. I can't. And I, but I just couldn't stop it. And um, and I started crying. Brittany started crying, and then I started laughing at just how stupid I was and the fact <laughs> that I just couldn't. I just just came out. <laughs> And Bernie was laughing at me and she's like, there's something wrong with you. And then every time I went into the kitchen that night, I wound up crying because I was thinking about the fact that the house was quiet, but also how <laughs> stupid I was. <laughs> That's really funny, though. It's funny that you can laugh about it now. Yeah. Oh, we were, I mean, even at the time, uh, we were, it was a really dumb thing to say. And I just, just couldn't stop it from coming out of my mouth. But it was once you got into um, a routine with going to the NICU, mm -hmm. it was better. Um, and uh, again, a lot of that, I kind of thank the nurses and the doctors, like the babies themselves are on a routine. So like they wake up every two to three hours. I think it was every three hours. Um, and they call it their touch time. So they will wake the babies, they will change the babies will change the baby's tubes. They'll do whatever they need to do. And it's like time where the babies can be touched or it just kind of moved around. Otherwise they want the babies to be pretty much sleeping um, and kind of still growing because they should still be in, in utero. So when we were home, it would be we could call around touch time and, or after touch time and get an update on, on Liliana. And then once you get into the routine of going back and forth from your house to the NICU, they let the parents run touch time. So like the parents learn to change the tiniest diaper ever, um, <laughs> learn to even like change some of the some of the electro tube, like electrodes, not the tubes themselves, the feeding tubes, it would never let us do. But, um, you know, they had, the babies have like electrodes on their chests and some on their feet. Um, and you we could change those things um, and really kind of start to take care of our baby. But it's different in that when both girls came home, they were on a sleep schedule. Like they would nap. You know, even though so Liliana was in the NICU for five weeks and Lainey was in for almost four weeks. Um, but they came home on a sleep schedule, right? They would sleep for about three hours and then they'd be up for a little bit and then they'd sleep for three hours. So it was like another kind of uh, blessing in disguise uh, was uh -huh. they had that schedule already. Uh, so we never really had to worry about like other parents. We always assume it's like you come home and figuring it out for yeah. us at least we got to learn some things before we had the baby at the house totally yeah um i know i always tell people now like when i see people with the new babies they're trying to like do a schedule i'm like those babies are just gonna sleep when they want to sleep they'll wake up when they want to wake up just because i remember i tried to do that with my first i tried to be like oh he hasn't been awake in two hours let me wake him up and now looking back, I mean, my circumstances are certainly very different than those of parents of NICU babies, but I just now realize like, man, babies just sleep. Like newborn babies, they're still <laughs> asleep. And yeah. so like me freaking out, they're like, oh, he hasn't been up in two hours. If I could go back, I would have just been like, yeah, it's fine. He's been sleeping. He'll wake up when he wakes up. But let him sleep. Yeah, exactly. Um so I actually, I mentioned this to you in an email. I have a, 
a friend I just know through social media who just had their first baby and um, she's in the NICU. And so um, I think that it would be good to maybe give some just thoughts from someone who's been there before. And now that you're, you know, your kids are way past that stage and you probably seems like a lifetime away at, at points. Um, what would your message be to someone who's entering that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess a couple things would be like, even though it's overwhelming, um, like take advantage of the the moments that you have with the baby while you're there in the NICU. Um, mm. So if you get to hold the baby. It's a little girl, right? Yeah. Yeah. So to get to hold her, like just take advantage of those times because looking back on it, like we remember the first time we held Liliana um, because we weren't allowed to hold her when she was first born. Mm. We had to wait a a week. Um, We remember the first time we were able to hold her and feed her a bottle. So it's like, depending on how long she, uh, your friend's baby's in the NICU, just remember to, in the feeling of overwhelmingness, like take a deep breath and enjoy some of those, those little moments that you get to have still. Um, And then the other one is like, don't be afraid to ask questions. Mm. One, one of the things that I learned from being there was that medicine is art and that doctors have different approaches and every baby was different based on the baby. So there was no one size fits all. Um, but the doctors and the nurses were more than happy to answer questions. So like ask questions, um, this way you know what's going on, um, even if it's different every day. Uh, you'll have a sense of, of what they're trying to do for your baby. Yeah, I think that that's great advice for anybody with a new baby too, though, because we get the handed these babies, you know, <laughs> or you, not in your case yeah. handed, but like, and you feel like I should know everything because I'm the mom or I'm the dad now, but really like, that first baby, we have no freaking clue what we're doing. None. Yeah. <laughs> like with with us, we had to pass parenting tests before we could take the girls home. So like the the girls had to pass tests. They had to show that they could breathe uh, while in a car seat for a period of time. And then we had to take like baby CPR, those kind of things. Uh, we had to prove for show that we could like change the diapers of the small babies and if they had monitors coming home that we could handle the monitors but like with Liliana she was our first and and we were taking the CPR class and I asked the woman teaching and I said do all parents get this and she said no and I was like what do they do (laughs) what do you do (laughs) like we got to go home knowing how to do all these things yeah take care of a choking child Hey everybody, one more quick break here to let you know that I'm going to be down at the Donna Marathon Weekend in Jacksonville, Florida, the weekend of February 5th and 6th. They have a half marathon and a marathon. On Sunday, February 6th, there's a 5K and a fun one-mile run for kids on Saturday, February 5th. I'm going to be doing a meetup on Saturday, February 5th at lunchtime down there, and then I will be racing the half marathon I would just love to see you down there. This race supports the Donna Foundation, which helps people who are walking through a breast cancer diagnosis. This is my fifth year partnering with the Donna Foundation in this race, and I cannot say enough amazing things about it. 
great time of year to go down to Florida, get a little bit warmer weather. The race starts and finishes on the beach, and it's just got this great family, fun, uplifting, hopeful atmosphere that you won't find at any other race. Go to breastcancermarathon.com, use the code Lindsay10, that's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, and that will save you 10% off any of their races. They also have relay options if you're looking for just like a getaway with a couple friends. Um, you guys can do the relay. That's also a really fun option. That's breastcancermarathon.com. Use the code Lindsay10 for 10% off your order. All right, friends, enjoy the rest of my conversation with Matt. Uh, one of the things I loved in the book is when you, because you would always go like to the hospital late at night, which I love that you, yes. doesn't matter. Like they let you come in anytime, right? Yeah. Yep. As At That's the NICU. Um, yeah. I love that you would go so late and like listen to music and just have your, your special time. I imagine those will be days that will be like stamped in your memory harder than many other days. Yeah, it was um, during the day, Brittany would spend all her time there. Um, and then with Liliana, we would kind of, well, I start traveling again. So I didn't take my paternity until after she came home. So what I would do is I would fly out Monday morning, uh, fly home Thursday morning or Thursday night, and I would go straight from the airport on Thursday to the hospital. Mm. Um, and I would spend a few hours at the hospital on Thursday, and I would go you know, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, and then travel again. But yeah, it was kind of like the night, the night shift was my shift and uh, my time to kind of be with both girls. I did it with both of them. And what music did you listen to with them? So with Liliana, it was a lot of Eric Clapton. Mm. Um, and with Lini, it was a lot of uh, Ava Brothers. Eric Clapton. Yeah. I, I try to introduce my girls to what I call good music. Good music. Okay, listen, <laughs> yes. I I don't want to ruin this for you, but I love the Avett Brothers so much. And my husband has ruined some of them for me because some of their songs because he calls them the whiny brothers. And I'm like, stop, right? You can see it. Oh, yeah. Um, They have, they definitely have a, yes. And I I still love them. But like certain songs, I'm like, oh, he's right. Dang it. Mm -hmm. It's so annoying. And I I was not a huge fan until I saw them live. Um, and when I saw them live, I was like, all right, they're, they're good. They're actually from down in North Carolina. Oh yes, I know. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah. actually it's funny you mentioned that because, um, so I'm from Indiana and so we're like big John Mellencamp fans. Like you guys are to Bruce Springsteen over in New Jersey. Are you from New Jersey? I know your family is. I am. Okay. Yeah. I know like, um, the Fizzer or I guess not Fizzerati's. Byron's is that their last name? Yeah, the Byron's. Yeah, so I know my they... wife and and Ashley they all grew up in Point Pleasant where we live now. Okay, okay. Yeah. So I know that like Bruce Springsteen is life over there, and that's how I feel about John Mellencamp from Indiana. And so when we moved here, I was like, "Who's the North Carolina band?" And so a lot of people, I did like an Instagram post story about it. And a lot of people <laughs> said Avett Brothers. Some people said yep. James Taylor, but he's not originally from here. So oh, I, forgot. Yeah. Um, I think Eric Church is from here. But um, 
Yeah, I think Avett Brothers might have been like the winner of that contest. Yeah, there was actually a good documentary uh, about them. I oh, think really? It was on HBO. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you you kind of gain another like uh, you get a lot more respect for them as as people um, and artists. Okay, I'm gonna have to listen. Yeah. It's definitely worth it's worth your time. I heard them on some oh, you know what? It was Pete Holmes podcast, You Made It Weird. Mm-hmm. Which I haven't listened to in probably a couple of years, but uh he interviewed them. And so that's the okay. longest form um like interview I've heard from them. But a documentary would be good. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, that's good. That's good. It's worth watching with your husband too. Okay, so um, maybe maybe he can yeah. like stop calling them the whiny brothers. <laughs> I think yeah. he likes some of their music. I genuinely he and he's like a mu- he's kind of in a music snob like to to a fault. So um, yeah, okay, that's okay. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's totally fine. I have my girls, so like I have um, my girls like the Beatles. Uh-huh. They like Led Zeppelin. They like I, I I have made one of my missions in life for them to to at least appreciate good music. And I don't care if it is new music, um, but yeah. I just appreciate good music. We feel so. the same way. And for a long time, I was like, we aren't doing kids pop. We don't listen to that crap. Uh, but now we have a healthy mix. And like if a yeah. Beatles song comes on, for instance, and one of my kids knows it's the Beatles, I feel very proud. Yeah, it's yes. It's a very it's a very nice moment as a parent to have them even like sing some of the lyrics um or even know there's a good show called the beat bugs did you kids watch the beat bugs okay no what is that all right so it's a it's a cartoon show um they're actually bugs but all of the songs in the series are all beatles songs oh fun okay yeah what age is this for do you think um probably i I think my i think liliana even at eight would still watch if if it was on Okay. But it's definitely younger. Okay. I love it. Yeah. I mean, my big boys, which I know that some of my friends' kids that have kids, my oldest is nine. Like, he'll even still sit down. Like, if the little boys are watching, like, Daniel Tiger or something, like, he'll still get entranced by that. Somehow I've made so, like, I'm sure that he would like, they would all like it. Yeah. It's a good show. And it's, like I said, it's all Beatles songs. So then they learn the Beatles songs and then they start singing the Beatles songs and then I'll play them. Um, you know, I'll play the actual Beatles songs for them, which is great. That, you know, that's if, if Liliana's eight, that's how old Liliana is. Yep. Yeah. That's probably why I followed that so closely. Cause my son was like one year older than her. So it's like, you know, okay. when you have kids around that time, that age, yeah, same age, you're like follow really closely to things. It, it hits closer to home when you have kids the same age as someone going through something hard. Yeah. I think, and and so, like my wife especially is is like that now. Where there's a community. I mean, there's a community for moms with the placenta accreta uh-huh. that she kind of participated in and has kind of followed. Um, and then we've actually still um, close with a bunch of people from the NICU, but the like nurses actually they're at they are at uh one of she is the nurse practitioner at the NICU they're at with her right now oh, um they're like hanging out yeah 
Yeah, so we became very good friends with with her and her husband, and they have a daughter that is our Laney's age. Oh, okay. Um, she actually, she in with Laney, she is the nurse practitioner that actually saved Laney's life. Wow. So Laney, yeah, so like Laney's lungs collapsed and she well, couldn't breathe, um, and so she had coded. Um, I guess it was like day two, and our friend wasn't our friend at the time. She was just the nurse, uh, nurse practitioner saved her. Um, and after we came home, um, we kind of had stayed a little bit in touch and then it's become a friendship. And they're, they're actually over there now. <laughs> I mean, that can never not be somewhat emotional knowing that she literally saved her daughter's life. Yeah. And Lainey has a little scar. So she's got a teeny tiny little scar from uh, where she had to insert like cut to insert a chest tube. Wow. Um, so, yeah. So even like every day was a reminder yeah. that uh, you know, for Lainey, I got that close. Can you imagine having that kind of job? No. And everything's so teeny. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, a chest tube. So I, I had taken a picture of just the diapers. Um, Cause that was amazing how tiny they were. Mm-hmm. Um, like literally the size of a pack of gum. I think I had a picture of, I took a picture of the diaper next to a pack of like Orbit gum mm-hmm. and the gum packet is bigger than a diaper that and they're big. Mean. Like they're big on the babies. You have to like roll them. So they're not up to their armpits um, oh. and they fall off because they're just, they're still too, <laughs> they're still too wide. That's how small like the babies are. And then everything's miniature. So it's like a teeny tiny little uh, blood pressure cuff that they would use and a teeny tiny, was the other thing that I was like, oh my God, it's so little. Wow. Or even just like their, their, their bands, like uh-huh. the hospital bracelets are so small. Yeah. Um, but then to do surgery on a baby, like a person of that size, it's just, uh, I can't I imagine. Never do it. I it's cannot yeah. imagine. Um, you know, speaking of all this too, and like reading your book, it's, it's like as, as the mom being on the mom side of things, just, I'm just talking new babies in general. I can't speak from Brittany's experience or anybody who's been through anything traumatic like that. But I think that the world focuses so much on the mental health of the mom, which is like so important. But also I'm just curious as your experience from the dad's point of view, not to mention I mostly just interview moms. So let's just put that out there. Um, What do you think like, walk us through that process. Like, do you feel like as the dad, you're like, I just need to be here to support my wife and my kid. Like, do you feel like you had big emotional roller coasters as well? And does that get shoved aside because you're the dad? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I actually think part of the reason I wrote the book was to just still deal with the emotional aspect of it. Um, Especially just the, when Lainey was, not born but leading up to being born and going into that knowing how high risk that the actual um procedure was going to be mm-hmm. and even though a huge chance of losing Brittany, still a chance um so just the, the mental i don't know gymnastics going through my head at least of am I going to be a single dad? Am I going to be a single dad with one daughter? Am I going to be a single dad with two daughters? Um, And then the completely illogical nature of me being 
terrified of having to learn how to braid their hair. Like mm. Liliana's hair is ridiculously curly and it's very thick. Um, and that was just the one thing that my, I just get my brain honed in on. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to have to do all of this myself. Um, and I didn't want to show Brittany like, Hey, can you teach me how to do some of this stuff? Because I have to be ready. Um, and it, I think dealing with that for me was one of the main reasons I wound up writing the book. Mm. Yeah. Because other people are feeling that too. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, someone needs to hear I, that. I, They're not alone in that. Yeah. I, I think as is typical, I, I mean, there's <laughs> to call me like the rock is completely disingenuous. Mm. Bernie's the rock in our, mm. <laughs> in our relationship, but um like for dads it's like don't be afraid to be afraid and don't be afraid to be emotional because mm. you're going to be and so i bring up Brittany gave me the space to obviously to, to have my emotions too but yeah there was a lot of like making sure at the right times i had was holding it together mm-hmm. and then there were times where i didn't hold it together mm-hmm. and Brittany, Brittany, you know was was the the strong one if you will <laughs> you know i feel like it's like so good that in 2021 we're like raising our boys to like accept those things like accept those emotions as being like okay and normal like you know I for so many years it was like men had this certain way they were supposed to act and be and they didn't show emotions as much and like thank god we've gotten over the like don't cry you know to little boys like don't be a little girl things like that like thank god it's 2021 and like that's not how most people are raising their boys anymore yeah and the the idea that like the men are the strong ones like i said like uh, Brittany's just the strong one Brittany keeps everything together here so like she even during that um we both had our moments but she was she was i mean i admire how strong she was going through it knowing all the emotional back and forth that she was everything that was going through her mind um and still goes through her mind right going back to the decision to have more kids versus being taken from you yeah she's a badass she is she (laughs) is um okay well We'll wrap up here with some end of the podcast questions. Um, what's what's a trip or what's a, a, you know, nobody's doing many trips right now, I guess, but Ugh. what is a trip or a, a uh, something you've done with your kids that you would recommend to other people? That's funny. So like we live, <laughs> we live at the beach. So we live in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. So it's great. Like we can literally go to the beach at any time. That's um, awesome. I was, up, I was up there yesterday. Um, and Brittany's great. She grew up here, so she's great about making sure, especially once it's like warmer out, where they're up at the beach a couple times a week. So that's one thing is like come visit Point Pleasant because it is nice. Um, even though a lot of people only know this this area because of the show Jersey Shore, um, <laughs> it's not all like that. How close are you to like where that show was shot? So they would go to the Point Pleasant Boardwalk. Okay, um, I remember that. And then they lived, yeah, they lived in Seaside, so it's about 15 minutes south of us. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it's a great town uh, to live in. And then all the kind of towns 
around here are just they each have their own little personality which is is nice and um like we'll just hop in the car sometimes and drive down the coast and stop at each town has um along the bay a lot of the towns have like playgrounds that are literally right on the, the bay mm. or on the ocean so we'll just hop in the car drive down the coast and go to a bunch of different playgrounds on the water um, so cool. But trip trip, we again, it's not a place that you can like make reservations to. But <laughs> um, we went this summer pre Omicron. We went to our friends bought a um, a farm. At, it's about forty five minutes outside of DC um, in Maryland, and we did about forties with them, um, and it was fantastic because we lived by the beach, so it was a completely different environment. Um, Liliana and Lainey like were helping with the chickens. They were checking the eggs a couple times a day. They were feeding Liliana and they literally were picking up handfuls of dry mealworms to feed the chickens. Oh, and they had so no fun. idea what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was like, do you know what's in your hands? They're like, no, what is it? I was like, those are worms. <laughs> um, so it was a blast. Um, so if, as parents, if you find small things like that i'm sure there are farms um that you can go stay but like just small trips are i just ha- I have so much fun on small trips uh, we went from there actually to king's mill virginia okay which is outside of um it's outside of williamsburg i guess okay. um and that was fun uh, it's big it's a golf resort and then they have they have like two big pools. One has a lazy river in it. It's like a small water slide that the kids have fun with. Oh, fun. Um, but yeah, because I used to travel all the time, I used to have points. Ah. That's the one downside. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh-huh. so twice a year, Brittany and I would open up the map uh, and just be like, okay, where can the points take us? That's so So one good. of the last trips, yeah, one of the last trips, like big trips we did, um, all on points was we went to Atlantis um in the bahamas oh, and that fun. was fantastic how yeah. old were the girls but like we did it the january before covid hit so they must have been like oh they loved it five it and seven fantastic. five and seven yeah like yeah that's yep. a really great age those are really great ages i mean our youngest is three now and i mean it's still you know like he shouldn't be in diapers anymore but he is whatever but yeah, like yeah. Man, once you don't have toddlers anymore and like you don't have to be scared that everything they do might be life threatening, like I'm going to just run in front <laughs> yes. of this car for no reason at all. Um, traveling gets so much easier. It does. Although now I feel like the time, length of time to get to a place matters more as they get older yeah. a little bit. Yeah. So like driving to Virginia actually driving home from Virginia, we stopped at a friend's house um, so that we could break it up at like three and a half hours and then three and a half hours. But yeah, I, I mean, not having to travel with diapers and all the diapers things. and uh, yeah, uh, it's way easier. Oh my God. It's still fun. It's still fun when we had taken Lil to Disney when she was two mm-hmm. and a lot of people were like, well, she won't remember it. And I was like, yeah, but she'll still experience it. Um, and that's, what's fun to see them at that, that real little age experience something as wild as, as Disney. Yeah. And you'll remember it. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like our oh, our yeah. our memories matter too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like Bahamas, Bahamas was great because I did no work. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like unplugged. That's amazing. Um, I did no work, and it was a blast. I think it was our my first trip and our first vacation in like two years. So good. Um, yeah. What's the best most recent book you've read? So, I just finished a book called Adios Hemingway. Okay. Um, it's uh, it's actually a mystery. It's by his name is Leonardo Padura Fuentes. Um, he's a he's a Cuban writer, and he's famous for this one character who is a an investigator. Um, I didn't read the first three installments of his series. I read this last one. Um, because it kind of revolved around Hemingway. Really interesting book. Um, and then I'm also in the middle of reading, it's called Barbarian Days, A Surfing Life uh, by William Finnegan. Um, he is, I think he's a Pulitzer Prize winner. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. He's mostly like a war correspondent writer, um, but he's a, he's a big surfer. And so he wrote about growing up in Hawaii as a surfer. And I think he actually winds up talking about his surf trips around the world. Um, so I'm reading that right now. I want to grow it's, up in Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have friends out that live out there. One of our good friends is stationed out in uh, in Hawaii. Uh, and that's on our bucket list. Actually, Liliana keeps saying, I want to go to Hawaii. And we're like, oh, 11 hours on an airplane. I know. Yeah. Because going from New Jersey. Yeah. But I mean, we're in North Carolina now. So same. I mean, we were just a tiny bit closer in Indiana. Closer. But yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so what what about a kids book? Do you have a kids book you recommend? Yeah, um, the we just read this uh, last week. It's called At the Same Moment Around the World. Okay, have you ever read it? No. So it starts at six p.m. in Dakar. Okay. Um, or six a.m. I'm sorry, and then it literally follows like a kid. And each time zone, oh, so cool. each page is another time zone. So it, it, it's, it says like you know at six a.m. in Dakar, this kid is doing this, um, and it has a little bit of like the culture, tiny little bit, uh-huh. but it's each kid in each time zone doing something with a parent or learning something about where they live. Or so it's I liked it. But my girls loved it. The anime or the art is pretty fantastic but i liked it because of the culture that they're kind of seeing across the across the world and in, in, in the book there's another big thing for me is like i want them to know music and i want them to understand and know different cultures yeah do you have do you guys have a plan to travel internationally with them at all i oh, would love to i mean we'll see yeah now. right right um we've always years. Oh, I actually had a chance yeah we had a chance I guess only Liliana was born. She was gonna. She was going into, I guess pre-K maybe. And my company asked if I wanted to move to London, which isn't a huge difference, but big enough. Um, and we decided yes. And then my company kind of said, "Well, we actually we found somebody else for the role." But Brittany and I always talk about there. There are a couple places that we've been to, or places that I've been to that I would absolutely be willing to move. Um, and, and live there for a few years. Oh, Germany, fun. a couple different places in Germany uh, would do in a heartbeat. Love um, Netherlands too. So I used to travel to Netherlands a lot. 
um, and would absolutely like love to raise kids there. That would be um, cool. So it's not on yeah. the table. No, 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 I don't think so. It's tougher, but I know because like as they get into school and their routine and stuff. But like, I know I thought about that too, and I'm like, I think if it was something like that, where I mean, well, we just moved from Indiana to North Carolina, and you know, it's it, we're in the same country, whatever. It's not that far away. Yeah, but like, well, it's different though. It's different. <laughs> it's very different. But also, like, I can hop in the car and we can drive home if we want to. But like. I think as far as living in another country like that, if I knew that the commitment was like two years or something, I knew that it wasn't like we're moving here forever. I think that I could commit to something like that if my husband's job took us somewhere like that, because I'm like, why not? Like one life here. Like, and how cool to give your kids that experience. Yeah. I have the same, same kind of mentality. Even when we were in the, (laughs) in the Bahamas. So a lot of the trips from points that we would go on, we would go to islands because it was a a vacation that was a vacation and not a, a busy type of a trip. Um, And one of the things I realized is that it was costing actually less. If I commuted from some of those like Caribbean islands to the different cities that I was traveling to, it was actually cheaper than flying from Mm. Newark, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. I was like, we could live here. Like we could live, on the Bahamas and I could Monday through Thursday fly to Minneapolis or fly to San Francisco. Um, and it would save our clients or the company money by doing that. So it's definitely something that's on the table. Oh, that's um, so cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You could like rent out your house for a couple of years while you do that or something. If you're mar- yeah. married to staying in that house. Oh, that's yeah, really and cool. Then everyone, you have to travel to India. Uh, it is so different, but it's an amazing country. Um, I didn't get to see the whole country because it's, it's, it is huge, but I got to see three cities and a couple of the different um, like suburbs of the cities. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I want the girl, I want to take the girls oh, there. Um, yeah, so cool. I, it's a phenomenal country. Different, like so different, but it's like worth it. Yeah. That's so awesome. Um, okay, so what is your last message to leave with our audience today? Every parenting experience is a lot of ways different. Um, and you know what Brittany and I went through, uh, while terrifying at times for us, um, that it wasn't the worst. Like mm. our babies weren't the smallest babies in the NICU. There were twins there that were each a pound. Um, so there are other parents like totally aware that other parents were going through even harder times. Um, but while everything is, every experience is a little bit different than like at the same time, parents can lean on each other. Um, and, and then the other kind of learning is what I had mentioned earlier that when it comes to medicine and, and, and doctors and nurses, the one thing that I just took away is that it is an art. So like learning how to understand what doctors were trying to do with medicine and see them try to make Liliana better for something, but not working and trying something else. Um, just having that appreciation for me has gone a long way, even now. All right. Um, especially even through this, but as, as you take your kids to the pediatrician and that's like, Medicine is not black and white a lot of times. Mm. It's, it is, it's an art um, and it's changing because we learn more. Um, so 
Those would be the two things. Yeah, like everyone's experience is different and appreciate it. And then just acknowledging the fact that medicine is, is much, it's an art. I love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and writing the book and coming on the podcast. Of course. No, thank you for having me. This has been great. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Matt, for coming on the show and sharing your story. Really appreciate all of that. You all can find this podcast on Instagram. We are Why Is Everyone Yelling? Would love to connect with you there. I personally am Hines 626 and um, I would love to connect with you there as well. I actually just made a post this morning reminiscing of the baby years and almost grieving the uh, moving on from that phase of life that that post might resonate with some of you. It's lindsayhine626 is the uh, Instagram page for that. You can learn more about the other shows in this network, which is Sandy Boy Productions, my little podcast network that I started. Um, Go to sandyboyproductions.com to learn more. If you'd like to be added to our newsletter so that we can deliver the show notes to you, so you can just find the book recommendations, sponsor info, anything like that. That can just be delivered to your inbox weekly. Email me, lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com or you can just opt in on our website, sandyboyproductions.com. All right, friends, have a really great rest of your day. Great episodes coming your way in the coming weeks. We will see you next Tuesday.